DJ and PK brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. PK, we were just talking uh, high school football. It was not Tehachapi, it was Trona. And I posted the story on the Twitter feed, David DJ James. You can read all about the sand and dirt field in the mining town uh, near Death Valley. It's a classic story, LA Times went out and did it. All right, uh, we were also talking BYU football. We promised people Kalani Sataki met with the media first time, did almost a half an hour, I think 27, 28 minutes on a Zoom call, answered a lot of questions on a lot of topics. Replayed the entire thing earlier this morning, and it's up at 1280 The Zone, but we wanted to play uh, three uh, different things he talked about. Obviously, he's going to take questions about scheduling, and obviously there's been breaking news about that today, and uh, here, when he took the scheduling questions, here's what Kalani had to say. Tom talks to me about a lot of different variables and a lot of it is not what we control. It's not we, we make the demands and everything. I just, I've been really pleased with the way Tom's doing it. He's got a really tough job and I'm just saying, let's just get ready to go. My job is to get the team ready, not to do the schedules and things like that. That's, that's Tom and I trust him in it. So we'll just be ready whenever they're asking us to play. So the schedule has, uh, has changed dramatically. They've lost uh, the Power 5 games. Right now, BYU's opener is October 2nd against Utah State. The Mountain West Conference, uh, according to Brett McMurphy, is going to come out probably later today and, and say that they're going to play 8 plus 2. Eight conference games, two non-league games. That takes care of Air Force because they're going to want to play Army and Navy and they've got the Commander-in-Chief trophy thing to go for. And that leaves everybody else with a couple games. And for BYU, that's important because that's Utah State, Boise State, and San Diego State. They've got three Mountain West teams on the schedule. Uh, Boise State and San Diego State have already lost a game and Utah State's already lost two. So I think the odds of keeping those three games are pretty good. And then it's up to Tom to fill in where he can. And if they do do the independent schedule, UConn announced that they are not playing football. Uh, they're an independent. They've left the America Athletic Conference. They've already lost four or five games this year and they're just not going to play. So the options are narrowing for, uh, for BYU, but the Mountain West does provide some opportunities. Well, the options may be narrowing. Yeah, I think that's a fact as you say that. But there are enough options to get a schedule done, which I think that under the circumstances, that's the most important thing. And if it isn't what it was supposed to be, I think everybody understands. On a personal note, though, I would prefer that you not say Boise State, because when you say Boise State, anything that follows that, I can't really give it any attention. Could you just call it Boise? Because when you say Boise State, we know what I think of when you say Boise State as had, quick as you had say their it. crack. You know there, don't find it, Yak. I just did it. It's fine. <laughs> just move on. It's Yak gets really frustrated now because on the old system. He knew where all the drops were. And you're hearing fewer drops right. now because the earthquake, we had a power surge. Yeah. It fried the equipment. Temporarily, they put us back on the air. Ultimately, they had to rebuild a studio, move us to that. And now we moved back into our main studio. Yacht can't find a thing. Slowly. And PK, he turns purple. He gets so frustrated. Slowly but surely, yeah, I'm rebuilding but... a bunch of that. Uh, right okay. Now, so. Exactly. Wow. So when I call for the drops, though, that is making us one step closer to get to the drops. Because if you don't call for them, then he would have no need to try to find them. So when True I call story. for them, like you don't sound like a Debbie, Boise State has their crack, you know, on and on. I mean, you got like 500 of them by now. Yeah, that, but- then he gets more familiar with them. So there's a better chance in the long run that the duration of not having them will be reduced. You follow me? I do, but you know, you've still got me here so I can just recreate them because I do remember most of them. 
They largely really I know, but it's not as fun. I just want to be clear. That was so rude. I've never said anything to you like that in public, let alone private. And there you go, and you just out me like that. Don't you think I have feelings? Uh, a, uh, no, not really. Uh, B, uh, not you anymore. Had, you working it, with you, you're you, right. You had it coming. Uh, see, <laughs> you laughed too. Jake just laughed louder. You hear Jake just cracking up. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Boise State has their crack. There it is, eventually. Fine. <laughs> Thanks for that, Yeah, Good for you. Well worth it. <laughs> I agree with PK. <laughs> Moving on to Kalani. Moving on to Kalani. So that was Kalani on scheduling. And, it, you know, anything he would have said would have been trumped, right? Because this morning, the Connecticut news breaks that they're not playing. And... Um, Brett McMurphy has the uh, he has if you're a Big Ten fan, Brett McMurphy has tweeted out the composite Big Ten schedule, so you got that to go to. And then also he says the Mountain West will go to eight plus two, so we'll see how that plays out. All right, now Kalani's other points. Hey, it's BYU football. If he weren't asked about the quarterback, it's like the season can't begin until there's a quarterback question to the coach, and that has been true for decades. Independence back to the Mountain West back to the whack. There must be quarterback questions. But I have to say they got three quarterbacks who won a game on the roster now, so it's, uh, it's more valid than ever before. Here's Kalani on the quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, I can tell you like there's some good front runners, right? We saw a lot of good things from all the quarterbacks. They're, they're all healthy and looking really good. Zach, Jaron, Baylor, those guys did a great job. And then Soljay did some really good things too as, as a true freshman showing up. Just surprised us a little bit when we went to cross, crossover stuff, but feel really comfortable with that group. A-Rod's done a good job getting them all ready. And there's a few others that are getting some reps there too. You know, Rhett Riley, Mason Fakahu and others. So really feel good about that group. It's just like I do a, a lot of our other positions. Zach's going to start, isn't he? After you get through all of that, Zach is going to start. Right, PK? Well, we go down to that. Yeah, I would agree with you. Now, if you get to play four games in redshirt, depending on how many games they ultimately have, how much do you think they treat this like a regular season and how much do they redshirt guys where possible? Yak, I don't have the redshirt status of all the guys off the top of my head at quarterback. Do they all have redshirt years or have some guys burned them? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Off the top of my head. Zach's got his. Zach's got his. Baylor should have his as well. No, actually, Baylor has lost his. He okay. did redshirt for a year. Jaron should still have his in the bank, though. Okay. So you have two of the three. Well, my reaction to the redshirt thing is that they are in win-now mode, man. They have had some, what, three seasons that have been less than fulfilling here. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think you can worry about that. I mean, I know he just got the new contract and all that stuff, but you know they bought out Detmer. I don't know that they would buy out Kalani, but the, the point being that I think you're in win now mode, and so whatever it takes to win the ball game, that's right in front of you, and you worry about that down the line. Because if you look at the quarterback situation, I have no idea how this Soul J kid's going to do. Zero idea. But Conover is I think he's already he's home from a mission. He won't uh, be enrolling until January though. Right. And I was told he was supposed to originally get home from a mission in January or 
December, but I don't know with all the stuff that's been going on. He's been home I don't know some of these months. kids come home and then they go back out, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what the status of that is. But anyway, I, I, because he played down there in Chandler, a high school that I literally covered, uh, and I've heard a lot about him. So my point is that, that it's not about when he's enrolling. It's about that the quarterback – room now looks like there's they've got some talent in there so don't worry about redshirting because it looks like going forward you're going to have some kids that can play that position and so go ahead and do whatever it takes to win the ball game that's in front of you this week and next week and so on and back to this question on wilson still waiting for him to have a breakout season and maybe with injuries and the fact that he was just a freshman and a sophomore that was too much to ask but yes i do expect him to be the starter and if he stays healthy which you know could be a big if in in the world that we live in i'm expecting him to be really good and maybe i'll be disappointed but i'm expecting him to step up his game big time and be a, a really good quarterback. I still go back to what Dylan Cauley said, and, and Cauley's when they speak, I have a tendency to listen because they usually just don't speak to speak. They speak to say something that's in their blood. Catching touchdown passes and saying stuff uh, that they really mean is what they do. And Dylan Cauley said after that ball game against Western Michigan, and he repeated it, we had him on the air after that, he said he thought that Zach Wilson could go down as one of the best quarterbacks in BYU history. And that's a strong statement, and he stood by that. And because he worked with the guy, you know, closely for many, many times in practices and all that stuff. So with that in mind, yes, I'm expecting Zach to play, and I'm expecting him to play well. Running back. What's going to happen at running back? Obviously brought in a uh, grad transfer last year, and, and Tyson Williams looked good and helped them win games, and then he got hurt, and they weren't able to close out games in the fourth quarter that we all thought they should have closed out on three occasions. And this year, it looked like Devontae Henry Cole was going to be the guy, and then he was at BYU for a hot minute and ended up at Utah State. So... He's a Ute, he's a Cougar, he's an Aggie. It's not, there's plenty of guys you can say two schools, right? <laughs> but three, that's, that's like charging the field three times. It's, the record's going to be hard to break. doesn't seem like well, it's going to yeah. be done. When you think of it, you, we've all heard the expression two schools of thought, but when have we ever heard three schools of thought? Good point. So, uh, Devontae Henry, Col- usually, usually once a guy transfers, you don't usually hear a coach even mention their name. They may reference them without the name, but they don't usually hear the name. But Kalani, for Kalani, I thought this was kind of bold right here. There was a message being sent. Here he is asked about Devontae Henry Cole and the running back position. Yeah, we're going to be fine. We're going to play with the guys that are here. He was here doing our PRPs. He was here doing our workouts and stuff. He knows how good we are at our running back core. So I think we're going to be fine. I love the group. I think Lopini, is, this has been a really good offseason for him. Tyler Algier, Jackson McChesney's now, you know, he's got the rust off of those mission legs now, and he's flying around like he did when he was at Lone Peak. You know, it's a good group. Sion now is getting healthy and getting ready to go. And we have Bruce Garrett as a freshman that's doing some good things too. I mean, there's guys that are running well. Javel Brown, we put there, and, and he's looking good. And Luke Andrada got some reps at running back today. He looks really fast. So it's a deep group, a lot of talent, and a lot of experience. So we're really excited about that group. I felt like a little shade right there. Devontae knows how good the running backs are. What I took away is uh, <clears throat> Devontae might have known he wasn't the best running back. Maybe he wasn't even the second best running back. We'll be fine. That was a little – I mean, Kalani is uh, 
literally and figuratively, he likes to hug people. But that 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 was a little uh, that was a latitude right there. I thought that was uh, Kalani got a little defiant right there. I liked it. Uh, yeah, that's no surprise if you know who he is and you've had some conversations with him in which you're just talking and you're not taking notes or recording it. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I don't think that Devontae Henry Cole was going to be the number one running back anyway. My thought is that there's not that much separation to where between BYU and Utah to where you could barely get out on the field at Utah and all of a sudden you're going to be the featured guy at BYU. Now Utah obviously has a program has pulled ahead of BYU. We cannot deny that whatsoever. That's changed dramatically in the last 30 years, but nevertheless, that's where we're at. I still don't think that if you're barely receiving playing time, you're all of a sudden going to go down there and be a star. So I think he, Cole, could have been in the mix. He could have played for them, yes, but I don't think he was going to be the featured back running for a thousand yards by any stretch so the bottom line is that with him leaving i don't think it's a significant blow because i'm not even sure that he's going to do all that in fact i would i would say he isn't going to do all that at utah state but he can be a contributing member of the team and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever i mean you took a look who's the the riley burt left BYU and went to Utah State. And it's not like he got all of a sudden a ton of carries at Utah State, right? No, that didn't happen. So I do think that they have guys who can compete with or without Cole. However, I am more skeptical that they will be fine. That's where I might separate myself a little bit from Kalani because I think there's talent, but the talent always seems to get hurt. And uh, personally... I'm sick and tired of talking about McChesney's game against UMass. <laughs> I got to see more than that. You know, I know he ran for 800 yards against UMass, but, and that's every time the kids reference, and I'm sure he's sick and tired of it too. He wants more opportunity. He doesn't want to keep, yeah, you had that great game. What do you run for 230 yards against UMass, whatever it is? And we all, yeah, UMass, okay. It's like if we just kept talking about Zach Wilson completed all of his passes against Western Michigan. That's nice. But that was a long time ago, and you know, it's, what are you doing now? So for a running back position for the Cougars, I have a wait-and-see attitude before I pronounce them to be good at that position. All right, DJ and PK, and while we were talking about all of that, Stuart Mandel tweets out, now we have a Big Ten player movement. Key distinction from the Pac-12. This appears to be entirely focused on COVID-19 protocols, and there's no stated threat of opting out. So, the latest news, fresh during this segment. Man, when have we seen this many college football uh, national writers uh, tweeting out this much info, PK? This is a ton of stuff coming out today. Yeah, we're now in August, so now's the time, obviously. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, if you missed it, UConn isn't playing football this year, the first of the 130 schools. Uh, Brett McMurphy, that's official. Brett McMurphy's reporting that the Mountain West is going to go to 8 plus 2. He also put out the Big Ten schedule, uh, composite schedule, and now Stuart Mandel with his news about the Big Ten player movement focused on COVID-19 protocols and no threat of opting out. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
Utah Jazz back at it today. A matinee game. It's the Memphis Grizzlies. Tip-off is at 12.30 this afternoon. You can watch the game on AT&T Sportsnet. Listen to it on The Zone. Coverage starts at 11.30 a.m. with the pregame show. Memphis will be without their forward Jaron Jackson Jr. He's got a torn meniscus. He's out for the remainder of the season. The Grizzlies are 8th in the West, but they are sinking towards ninth very quickly. They are 0-3 in the bubble. Have a four-game losing streak dating back to March, and Desperately need a win against the Jazz. The Jazz currently tied for fourth with the Houston Rockets. If the playoffs started today, they would be the 4-5 series. Tip-off at 12.30. Pre-game show at 11.30. That is your back-to-basketball update presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. been a long four months. Welcome. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Four seconds, Booker on the drive, goes up, here's the shot. Shoot! He got it! He got it! And the Suns win the game. Devin Booker at the buzzer, puts it up and puts it in. Oh, brother! Devin Booker with the game winner right there. Suns 117, Clippers 115. Booker finished with 35 points and 8 assists. Time to get you up to speed on everything we've been talking about in this show. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. All right, so there were three scores that are on the surface surprising, but you want to dismiss the Suns-Clippers because of Patrick Beverly a little bit. Lou Williams back, but clearly not in Lou Williams mode after a 10-day quarantine. Uh, I don't want to discredit the Suns because right now, Monty Williams, he's restart coach of the year. And, uh, <laughs> That's so not even a thing. Through. That's not a thing. <laughs> They're 3-0. and <laughs> The restart coach of the year. You hate award shows, but you just Why created another one. Let's do it. You created another one. Let's have one. a bubble MVP. Let's have a everybody's bubble defensive player be, of the year. Everybody's going to be down there in their shorts and their Don Juan's around the pool, and TNT's going to televise it. Bubble coach of the year. The bubble coach of the year. All right, fine. Well, see, when, <laughs> when Jock was playing that clip, I thought, oh, I got a line here. I got to use it. And so you responded accordingly. So... I really just wanted to use the line because <laughs> I thought it would get a reaction. Restart coach of the year. <laughs> They're all they were all around the pool. <laughs> Guys, right. Well, right now, I'd like to think he, everybody here he's a strong candidate. He is. I mean, we're not halfway through the restart season yet, so it's a little premature. Oh, but sure. We, I mean, we heck, we do that. <laughs> I mean, you you go to a regular season game in November and and. People start chanting MVP when they go to the free throw line. Yeah. So why not? Why not? Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't want to re, I don't want to dismiss it from the Phoenix standpoint, but I can have an easier time dismissing it from the Clipper standpoint because the Clippers they're going to be judged completely and solely on the postseason. Now, if the Suns end up getting, even if they got into that number nine, that would be a major accomplishment for them because they've sucked basically for a decade. So nice win for them. Good on them. It's fun game to watch. It was, 
all that stuff, man. It's been, and and it was you know it was really cool. He makes the shot, and the players go and jump on him. I mean, it's just like normal. They they were a little apprehensive. Ooh, are we supposed to be doing this? But, uh, you know, it was a it was a dramatic moment. And that's great. That's what I'm. That's why I'm. That's the essence of the sports fandom for me, right there, is to see something like that. And then, as far as the Nets beating the Bucks, yeah, totally. Onto the Kumpo. I think he was like seven of eight, eight of nine, or something, in the first half, and then he doesn't play the second half. And the Nets, who have, uh, I can't even list all the guys they're missing, but they are just missing everybody. But they get the win, and Jacques Vaughn would like that job, and. So a tidbit just, about that, the lineup they played yesterday, they only had one player who'd started more than four games this year for them. That should show you how much they had and, nobody. And Jacques Vaughn would like to be that head coach, but doesn't it just feel like they went for the Kevin Durant celebrity, they went for the Kyrie Irving celebrity, don't they want a bigger name and a celebrity? Jacques can do whatever he wants with his team, and he can be as good and coach as well, and aren't they going to bring in a celebrity coach? Oh, man, I hope they don't do that for the sake of doing that. I think that your best coaches in the league are grinders. Now, they, they can be an ex-player, but the, the celebrity guy, celebrity guys when they're hired as coaches and they're already celebrities, yeah, I don't know that that works. Now, you can argue Phil Jackson's celebrity. Well, not when they really when – Not when they hired hired. him. Yeah. And, no. And Pat Riley – not when they hired him. Uh, still another celebrity coach. No, I mean, they became celebrities. Popovich now has a little bit of a larger-than-life feel to him, all that stuff. So, yeah, but not when they got the job. You need grinders to be able to be an NBA coach. Give me a Frank Vogel any day of the week. The guys who are going to grind and find ways. Rick Carlisle. Now, Vogel didn't play in the NBA. Carlisle did, but he was a reserve, and he's certainly been successful. Larry Brown. Uh, played, I think he played in the ABA, right? Uh, and coached a million teams, it seems, but always had success wherever he went. So as far as New Jersey go, or I keep calling New Jersey, but Brooklyn, I hope the if they believe Jock Vaughn is the best candidate, then I'm all for Jock Vaughn getting that gig. All right, so the Suns get the Clippers, and the uh, Bucks are beaten by the Nets, and the Rockets Lose to the Trailblazers, 110-102. I would argue that these are the two teams helped most. Am I missing anyone? Helped most by the break? Certainly got the Blazers healthy. That's the easiest argument. The Rockets were losing games. Looked like they were taking on water. You wonder how rundown James Harden was. And he looks fresh now. They look great. But... They got beat by the Blazers, 110-102. And you can't rule out Portland in the ninth spot. PK, you can't even rule out Portland in the eighth spot having the advantage where they just have to win one out of two. And I would think if they get to the eighth spot and play Memphis, Memphis doesn't have a chance. I would agree with that. I would expect Portland now to be in the postseason in one form or another, and it wouldn't surprise me if they had success because I said earlier this morning, a couple hours ago, that this team is the most dramatically different from the start of the regular season to now, and that's obviously because they brought on Carmelo Anthony, but more importantly, they got a couple of big men back in uh, Nurkic and Zach Collins. Zach Collins, to me, a kid uh, from Vegas who went to Gonzaga, played there for a year. He's got a lot of skill. He's one of these players that I think will get better and better. Nurkic is already pretty good. That's a fact. And having him healthy after he had that, uh, what was it, the leg last year mm-hmm. in the postseason, if I remember correctly, and had to sit out all his time. He's a player. There's no doubt he's a player. So Portland, and they already got great guards 
obviously. So you combine those guys that they all got together now, and they're dangerous. Uh, Nurkic, 18 points, 19 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocks, and a steal. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, the thing that did happen yeah. is that usually when Portland wins, it's because Lillard and McCollum are on. Uh, McCollum had 20 and Lillard had 21, and those are nice numbers, but it's not spectacular. They were both under 50% from the floor. But it's like you say, they got more players now, so they can win a game without those two going off. Exactly, yes. And Carmelo Anthony has settled into a role that a player of his stature should settle into, be a complimentary guy and win games. Carmelo Anthony's such a lightning rod. Twitter went nuts. You know, people were writing off Carmelo and, you know, Houston dumped on Carmelo. And, okay, well, Carmelo weighed a lot more in Houston. I mean, we all know the skinny Carmelo. We've seen the, you know, we've seen the photos and the tweets and all that about it. He's 36. So getting in better shape, I think it's critical for anybody, but it's certainly critical at 36. He's still volume shooter guy. 5 of 14 is not a good percentage, but he did hit a couple, at least one, and maybe a couple of uh, late shots that, uh, that certainly helped them down the stretch in that game. Uh, he hit a big three. That's his yeah. third big three that he's hit in the restart. Right now, he's the restart most improved player. Nice. Not comeback, huh? I thought you were going to go comeback. <laughs> restart comeback player of the year. And then all the guys get up and throw Carmelo in the pool. It's the restart. you got to do it different. It can't no. be stage auditorium. No. you got to be spaced outdoors. Nurkic is comeback, restart okay. comeback. All right, I like it. Year. I like it. There you go. That's good. All right, so that's some of the uh, some of the NBA news. The Patrick Beverly injury, Doc Rivers said, I don't think it's bad. We're going to be very cautious. I can tell you that. So, because it's like you said, with the Clippers, it's all about the playoffs. Who cares if they're the two or the three seed? I mean, there's no home court advantage now anyway. Right. So, what does it matter? All right, uh, other stuff we talked about. Uh, we talked quite a bit about uh, college football with the news breaking. The Mountain West, 8 plus 2. I'm not convinced that the Mountain West schedule won't have to be reworked here uh, between Hawaii with a 14-day quarantine. I don't see how they're playing football unless, as PK suggested earlier, before he got off on the uh, restart awards, uh, playing a game on a short field in the middle of the ocean. But as long as Hawaii has a quarantine, I think football is going to be hard for them. New Mexico governors asked them not to play. And in California, you got three schools there, so who knows what's going to happen with those. I don't even know that the same thing will happen with all three of those since they're in different parts of the state. Um, San Jose to the north and San Diego to the south and Fresno's off in the Central Valley. So uh, we have Steve uh, Cleveland on. He can talk about how tough things are there. So they may have to rework the conference schedule. But it certainly seems for BYU, they got six-game schedule right now. Three of them are Mountain West. So the news that the Mountain West is going to play eight plus two, that is good news for the Cougars. It absolutely is because they need opponents, and they will get opponents. Uh, I firmly believe they'll have opponents, and they'll put together at least a halfway decent. That And there's one reason why New Mexico will play football this year. Because? I'm going to tell it to you right now. One reason, and that reason, Rocky Long. <laughs> He ain't about to get bullied by the New Mexico governor. I really wish Rocky Long <laughs> were still the head coach at San Diego State. I don't have words for how sad I am I that he took you. off to New Mexico to be defensive coordinator. 
Brady may end up being great, but I ain't got my worries. <laughs> and Rocky I know. Long produced results. Oh, yeah. Man. Come on. He, yeah. Played, he produced results. Uh, uh, best decade since... one of my heroes. Best decade since my childhood. I mean, if you just... 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, teens. I, you can go back 60s, 50s. I don't... Well, they're a little BYU-ish in that they largely sucked until uh, Don Coriel showed up in the 60s. So the 60s, the 70s, and now this decade, the, the, the teens. Those, man, these were good times. They were good it's times. harder to win now. I think. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's harder to win now. Yeah. yeah, and he did a phenomenal job. Plus, he's the ultimate tough guy. If we were to compare, put two guys together from different sports, we should have a fun game with this one time. You, you, you got to compare somebody in one sport to somebody else in another sport. So I got Rocky Long over here. You know who I compare him to in another sport? Who? Jerry Sloan. Ah, I like it. Jerry Sloan. <laughs> yeah, there's some parallels there. You can see those two guys sitting down to dinner comparing stories and nodding like, I get you. I get this guy. Rocky Long and Jerry Sloan, absolutely. Never ducked an interview. We always have them on when back in the old days when uh, the teams were in the Mountain West, and he would come on and he'd tell it like it is. It reminds me so much of Jerry. And I, and I would interview him when we go down to Mountain West Media Days down in Vegas, and my gosh, he just told it like it was, man. And he got fed up in New Mexico. He left. And then he doesn't want to do all these other duties of a head coach, so he leaves a head coaching position. Yeah. It, the, San Diego State screwed it up. Those too. are valuable positions, man. I, I know, but San Diego State but, screwed but, but it up. But he chose to leave. He did, but they were telling him to change assistant coaches, and he's just like, I don't want to fire that guy, so I'm out. <laughs> that's my whole point. Yes, that's, that's, that's I, the toughness about it. I know. I understand the story. Yeah, that that's even I, more impressive. Uh, and he just said no. I'm like I'm, and wi- then he's unemployed for a half an hour, uh, and yeah. he's got 15 job offers. Yeah, it's just they don't have as much. The Mountain West doesn't have as much money he's as the NFL. He's 70 years old. He doesn't have as much money as the NFL, but it was really the Andy Reid scenario. You know, like Philly, you're gonna fire him, okay? And there were literally multiple private jets on the tarmac waiting for Andy. Don't get on their plane. Get on our plane. And got on the Kansas City plane and took the Kansas City job. Owners are sending their planes to the tarmac. You know, as compliments go, that's pretty good. <laughs> I'll send my jet for you. Me too. I'll send my jet oh, for, for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. Andy will uh, go in the Hall of Fame as an NFL coach for sure. All you need to know about Rocky Long is that he took three Aztec teams up to the Smurf turf, and on the blue turf, he was 2-1 and one against the Broncos. Nice. I liked it. And you called it one time. We had a big discussion on whether it was mind-boggling, and I kept saying no. It oh, wasn't yeah. mind-boggling. It was which mind-boggling. Which proved my point because he did it. He did it again. Right, and even more he mind-boggling. They don't lose home games. They did to Rocky no. twice. No. Oh, no, their home record's no. outstanding. Yeah, yeah, but Rocky. Big deal. He's Rocky. <laughs> Big deal. Good comeback, PK. <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> oh, you got me there. Did you want me to say so? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Big deal is better is better than so. Oh man. <laughs> that was awesome. 
What is uh, what is BYU up on the on the blue turf? I think Utah's zero and one. I think they only went up there. BYU's once. never won in Boise. Right, but how many? Uh, well, five, BYU, they no, they find a way to get down to the half inch, they get oh, down yeah. to the half inch line, and then lose the just, game. Just ask Zach Wilson. Yeah. Ask Matt Payne. Ask They've Taysom got- Hill. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, he had like an eighty-five yard run, and then they don't punch it in, and then they went for two. And BYU up there though had the greatest goal line stance in the history of goal line stances. Yes, yeah, be- first and goal from the one, and Boise. They not only had their crack, they had four cracks, and they didn't get it done. BYU's 0-5 up there, three one-point losses, and a five-point loss, and then one, one time they got blown out. Yeah, it's hard to win up there. Way to go, Rocky. All right, uh, baseball, you know, it, I know there are people predicting gloom and doom for baseball and the Florida, uh, the, Florida, the Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, they got their issues and there's no way around it. But, man, there's just one team after another grinding out games, PK. This is doable, but you just you got to follow the rules. But it's doable if you do. There were a ton of it's games true. last night. Uh, yeah. Half a dozen. Yeah, I, I mean, agree with you. Yeah. All right. Uh, the uh, Mike Trout's back first at bat as a new dad, and he homers. So, but the Angels are four and seven. A familiar story. Mike Trout is awesome, and and the Angels are below five hundred. So, all right, DJ and PK. That's a lot of what we've been talking oh, yeah. about. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bullerjack. I want to ask you an impossible question. Out of Oklahoma City, Houston, Dallas, and Denver, which would be the best matchup for the Jazz? I think the Jazz and the fans themselves don't want to see Harden and Westbrook, so let's knock them out. And the other team that I don't think we match up well against, the Thunder. Chris Paul just has a way against the Jazz, as Harden does. Denver, I think, with the Joker and Gobert intrigues me. That matchup would be doable. Maybe I'd take Dallas. A little more lack of experience. I don't know. But good coaching matchups no matter who you play. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You should actually start a segment called Long Snapper Stories that are just random and obscure sports stories that are kind of fun or funny about people like long snappers. I think it'd actually be pretty entertaining. Leftover from yesterday, Yach found that pretty entertaining. We need the outside-the-box story, PK, as bizarre as possible. Don't play high school football on grass. Don't play on dirt. Play in a sand field mixed in with a little bit of dirt and rocks. That was a random story for today. If you want to read it, it's up on uh, oh, Twitter. Oh, yeah, man. We would have a million of them. That's a, that's a great idea. We've got to remember that, guys. David DJ James, you want to read about the sand and dirt field and what it takes to play on that? Tough kids out in a mining town. All right, it's a California story, not a Utah story, actually, too. All right, uh, DJ and PK, time for the... Uh, Time for the feedback, and actually, uh, we've got people uh, tweeting at us about all kinds of stuff right here, and a lot of stuff on Facebook. A huge question on Facebook today, huge response to the question. Um, 
Why are, uh, it was uh, you asking people about how much basketball they're watching. And some people, because of Black Lives Matter, are out. Some people, because of the unusual tip times, are either out or not watching but listening. And we've got an odd tip time coming up at 1230 today. Don't have a lot of 1230 tip times most of the time. Uh, and then we've got people uh, like Mark saying, I've watched every game. It's good to have basketball back. My expectations aren't too high. Maybe second round in the playoffs if they can keep the turnovers down and shoot 40% from three again. Uh, he says, by the way, using a DVR, it only takes an hour to watch a game, and it beats most things on TV. DVRing sports takes a lot of discipline, PK. Once you know the final, a lot of can't people do can't do it, right? <laughs> Once you know the final. No. I mean, maybe old games, uh, I, I can do that, but not the game that was played earlier today. I, I, I just can't do it. I've, I've got to watch it live, and I've watched every second of the ball games and the protests, whatever, they're, it's their right to, to be able to do that. I mean, that, that's part of this country, and you don't agree with it. I think there was one I looked at it this morning. A guy named Wayne said, uh, just turn it on after that stuff is over. And you get to watch the game. Yeah. That's what I do. Yep. I'm looking at that comment right now. Why all the jazz negativity? Utah always had great, if not overzealous fans. It's just skip the pre and post game. Uh, Jonathan, uh, I've watched most of all three games. Yes, even the OKC blowout. It's nice to have sports again. You know you miss sports. If you sit there and watch the Jazz get pounded for four quarters like they did against the Thunder, you must have really missed it. Because I think if you go to the before times, that's the game that gets turned off in the second quarter. And then you check Twitter for a score late third, early fourth, just to make sure there hasn't been a giant NBA-sized comeback. (laughs) Well, I have to admit, as far as me saying I've watched every game, I was doing Jazz uh, post-game and pre-game and halftime, so I had to watch it. And the good thing about that is I wanted to go play nine holes later that day. And I thought, okay, I'm looking for a silver lining. Well, I got one. There's not <laughs> going to be a bunch of timeouts. So the game will get over earlier and we'll do our post-game show earlier. And sure enough, I was able to get to Mountain Dell for 6 o'clock, got in eight holes. Or excuse me, got in eight holes, got in nine holes. And saw the moose and her little baby there on uh, over on the lake course. I think it's hole 14. I put that out on Twitter and Instagram. I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. And, uh, yeah, it was just super cool. I bogeyed the hole because I had one eye on the moose, man. And one guy did tweet at me. He said, you're lucky that the moose didn't charge you because it had its baby there. So you, that was one time for sure, without question, no matter where you stand on this virus, that you would have practiced social distance. I played Mountain Dell uh, two weeks ago, and it was, again, it was late tea time like you were talking about. It was 6 o'clock tea time, and there were three or four deer running between the 6th and 7th holes. And they're just so used to golfers, and the golfers mostly stare if you take yeah. pictures if they haven't been there before. And they're just, they're just trotting along, headed for the tree line. Like. A deer never, yeah, deer normally, they'll just get away from you. Yeah. But, and I've seen plenty of moose at Mountain Dell, mm-hmm. but this time with the baby moose just uh, two feet away, I've heard stories, and I was concerned. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Scouting hands are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.